Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there and keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 2366, Multi-Generational Tax Minimization, part one, by Jeremy of GoCurryCracker.com. And I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. I have a bit of a longer post for you today, so I'm going to split the article up, reading the first part today and finishing it up tomorrow. So with that, let's get right to part one as we optimize your life. Multi-Generational Tax Minimization, Part 1, by Jeremy of GoCurryCracker.com. We will never have the experience of receiving an inheritance, but GoCurryCracker Jr. will. In my role as fiscal steward, I would like to ensure that he, along with our other beneficiaries, receive the largest amount possible after we're done spending as much as we want, naturally. But Jr. only gets what the IRS doesn't take, So I'm taking my tax efforts to the next level, multi-generational tax minimization. Multi-generational tax minimization. Much of what I've seen with regards to multi-generational tax minimization or wealth preservation is focused on avoiding or minimizing the impact of the estate tax, often by companies or persons with a vested interest in selling you a trust. Hey, little kid, would you like to buy a trust? Said the big bad wolf. Trusts have their place, but I have a simple and guaranteed solution to avoiding the estate tax altogether, and it costs a lot less. Just die with less than $22 million in assets. It's so easy, almost anyone can do it. With each adult able to pass about $11 million to their heirs without taxation at the federal level, for most of us, the estate tax is a non-issue but it's an incredible opportunity to build a family dynasty. The Kennedys, the Rockefellers, the Curry Crackers. Even with the estate tax out of the way, there's still a lot to consider. Number one, gifting. There are pros and cons of providing gifts to your adult children. In the book, The Millionaire Next Door, they call it economic outpatient care, and it's highlighted as a way parents prevent their children from becoming economically successful in their own right. Dependence is a hell of a drug. Our family gifts flow in the opposite direction, but regardless, there's a right and wrong way to do it, tax-wise. You may have heard the recommendation to gift appreciated stock to a charity rather than sell it, pay taxes, and then donate the remaining cash. 
the charity is able to benefit from the full amount rather than the reduced after-tax value. There are similar considerations when gifting to individuals. When a gift is made, the recipient's basis in the asset is equal to the lower of the original owner's basis and the current market value. Unlike a charity, a person has tax obligations, so we need to consider Junior's tax status. If we gift appreciated shares when he sells, will he have to pay more or less tax than if we sold the stock and gifted cash? Maybe we have a 0% capital gains tax rate, whereas he's in his prime working years and would have to pay 15 to 23.8%. If we've raised our basis over the years and are thus able to sell stock at a loss, are we better off doing so than gifting the stock directly? Probably but we should also avoid getting to that point. Number two, stepped up basis. The basis on inherited assets is stepped up to the market value at the time of death. Unrealized gains on these assets are thus never subject to income tax. It's the ultimate capital gains harvest in both senses and thus provides a new context for prioritizing Roth conversions versus capital gain harvesting. Bought some stock or a house for a dollar and it's now worth 10 million? No taxes, now or ever. Got some rare artwork in the basement from a recently discovered star? No taxes. Antiques, coins, gold, baseball cards, all no taxes. It's easy to take advantage of this incredible opportunity. Simply do nothing. And there's the rub. I'm a big fan of doing nothing, but this isn't always possible or the best option. It can be worth paying some tax now to pay less tax later. This is a good choice if or when we decide to move back to California. I can pay some tax at 15% now to avoid paying some tax at 17 to 23% or more later. But with everything being stepped up in basis upon death, harvesting more than we might spend results in paying 15% rather than our heirs paying 0%. We need to take the Goldilocks approach. Not too much, not too little. This seems more of an art than a science. The exception, retirement accounts. Number three, retirement accounts. 401ks, IRAs, etc. are tax-deferred vehicles, the key word being deferred. Beneficiaries of an inherited retirement account are required to withdraw those funds as a lump sum over five years or with required minimum distributions, or RMDs. Upon withdrawal, those funds are subject to taxation, although there's no 10% early withdrawal penalty. RMDs still apply if the inherited account is a Roth. Roth conversions are an option on inherited IRAs only for a spouse. For lifetime tax minimization, the RMD route gives us the greatest number of years to work with, but the five-year approach could make sense if account values are low and we know those five years will be low-income years, that is, college, sabbatical, etc. Standard advice says bequeathing a retirement account to the youngest possible beneficiary is a good way to maximize deferral benefits. And that's kind of true. The RMD for a 10-year-old is only a quarter that of the RMD for an 80-year-old IRA originator and only one-third for a 40-year-old. However, they ramp up much more aggressively, the result being the inherited IRA value approaches zero about 15 years earlier than it would have had the original owner lived. 
Note the word minimum in the acronym required minimum distributions. And number four, RMDs and tax deferred growth. Presumably, the larger RMD will be taxed more heavily, but that isn't necessarily the case. A large withdrawal by a retired couple with minimal other income may face a lower tax rate than a small withdrawal by a single person during their peak earning years, due to single filer brackets being half the size of married couples. This makes multi-generational tax minimization a difficult game. We must not only predict the tax rate at which withdrawals will be taxed during our own lifetime, but also during our children's or grandchildren's. For the original IRA owner, RMDs begin at age 70 and a half. With 7% annual growth, even with required withdrawals, the IRA will continue to grow well into our 80s, eventually fading towards zero as we become a centurion. The RMD accomplished what it was designed to do. Now, if the IRA owner passes at age 85, for example, and bequeaths the retirement account to a beneficiary 40 years younger, the IRA can benefit from an additional 60 plus years of growth, a stretch IRA. RMDs for the beneficiary will start immediately, albeit at a lower percentage, and the IRA will continue to grow well past traditional retirement ages. By the time the beneficiary reaches their own normal RMD age of 70 and a half, the IRA could have tripled even after 30 years of minimum withdrawals. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled Multi-Generational Tax Minimization by Jeremy of GoCurryCracker.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, I've got some bad news. Mint is shutting down. But now for the good news. There's a better alternative. Our sponsor, Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. Maybe you're saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation, your kid's college. I've found that Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals, whatever they are. I definitely wouldn't be able to allocate my finances or plan as clearly without help from Monarch. In fact, Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com OFD. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com OFD. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash OFD for your extended 30-day free trial. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable. I find it interesting when people desire to leave a large inheritance as I don't quite understand it. I think it's natural to wanna give your offspring all the tools they need to create happiness in their life. 
but I'm not convinced leaving a large sum of money will fulfill that goal. I was hanging out with a friend of mine the other day who works in private equity, and she was telling me about her desire to hide her wealth from her children. She doesn't want them to think that they have a get out of jail free card as she thinks this will affect their work ethic. She intentionally sends them to a school that isn't the most affluent. She lives in a neighborhood that's much less expensive than what she can comfortably afford, and she lives a very modest lifestyle on purpose. She feels that her wealth was built in large part because she had to rely on herself and because she never had parental support. So it forced her to build an impressive work ethic, which is something she really wants for her kids. She told me about a friend of hers who's in their 40s, who just recently learned that their parents are billionaires. Their parents too intentionally hid their wealth from their children as to not influence their ability to fend for themselves. And now that the children were well-established on their own and didn't need any financial assistance, the parents thought it wise to let the kids in on how they will allocate their billion-dollar estate. From what I hear, it's mostly going to charity. As a bonus mom to a 10-year-old cutie, I have recently been thinking a lot about how I can help him financially. And it won't be by giving him money. It'll be through teaching him financial literacy so he can know the joy of building his own financial freedom. But we're just halfway through the article now. So that'll do it for today. Thank you for being here and be sure to come back tomorrow where we'll finish up this post and where your optimal life awaits.